This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Stoops. Corey Perry. Well, you're able to take away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. And here we are with a show, the return of back-to-backs, and the Ducks come up with a loss, Eddie. Ducks lose this one to the New York Rangers in just amazing fashion, really, and just the worst third period we've seen out of this team yeah. in a long time. 3-1, to one, the Ducks go down, man. What a tough, tough game to watch. Not only was it boring, for the most part, um, but to lose in that fashion is just brutal. I have to admit, I, I fell asleep during the second period. <laughs> I, I wasn't even tired. I just, I just fell asleep and woke up, and the second period was over. I was like, oh, I probably missed a bunch. Now, literally, the only thing that happened was Ponce Zabrick scored, and that was it. Uh, then you kind of expect maybe the third period's going to be better. No, the Ducks are going to get one shot, and they're going to get outshot fourteen to one in the third period, and lose the game with forty seconds to go on a <laughs> short-handed goal. By Kevin Hayes, that was nothing but ugly. So uh, yeah, it was disappointing. Uh, back-to-backs are never fun on the podcast, and it's always worse when you come off a pretty big win, nice win, and then you come into the second game and it's just a snooze fest for sixty minutes. Oh, it was a total shit show, and it's you know if anything is indicative of how the game went, uh, there's nobody in speaker chat tonight, so nobody's happy about sitting through a Ducks game that ended in such of that kind of fashion, let alone not being exciting at all. Um, let's get into it, man. The Ducks giving Chad Johnson his first look in the crease tonight. You know, much much against what I said yesterday, which was Jared Carreau off the tip of my tongue like an idiot, not remembering that uh, Chad Johnson is now in a <laughs> we, Ducks We had sweater. problems with names yesterday. Uh, let's just put it that way. Yeah, I also said Bruce Boudreaux. I think I screwed up somebody else's name along the line there. Yeah, I had, I had a tough night last night with the names. But uh, the Ducks run with the same lineup tonight, except instead of Gibby, it's Chad Johnson. And then, what the, what is the Rangers goalie name? Uh, I, I think it's, I don't know, I think it's Alexei Georgiev. Georgiev, Georgiev, Georgiev. Georgiev, Georgiev, whatever, I've never heard of him. Um, They've got him and Nemnestikov, which, I, which I'm, I have no problem saying, but spelling it. Uh, was a nightmare, and he happened to be on the score sheet twice tonight when I was doing the goal previous, which wasn't fun for me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's it's definitely not good. But Nemestikov definitely in, involved in the plane across the board tonight, man. Um, and of course, they throw up that stat: the Ducks were six zero one zero on the road uh, recently, right in the East, and then they were ten three and two versus the East. So 
all signs pointing to a great game, and the Ducks were going to be able to come into a Rangers, you know, Madison Square Garden and take this away from it without any worry at all. Wasn't the case. I mean, the most exciting thing that happened in the first period was that, is that Getzloff just thrashed Domestikov. Um, yeah. And we can get to that pretty much right away because it was a pretty uneventful first 12 minutes. Shots were 4-3 to three in favor of Anaheim, but nothing of quality here. Um, I didn't see anything outstanding in the first half of the first period, did you? No, not really. Uh, really, it seemed like things started to pick up. One gets left, just destroyed Domestikov behind the net. For, I mean, really nothing. Uh, I mean, you Ty can't Johnson, jam at the pads like that, man. Sorry. Yeah, it was it was a, like a two-on-one, right? And uh, Kevin Hayes misses the net, which was huge because I don't think Chad Johnson would have got to it. And then Nonestico just comes over and tries to stuff it in, which, I mean, there was a hole. Chad Johnson did good to get over. And then I think it was the extra two whacks after. And Getzloff just fed up at that point. I don't know if he has history with Nonestico in the past, uh, but there was something going on there. He just obliterates him to the ice gives him a couple more shots and then Nemesikov just snaps and uh, and goes after him not the guy you would expect to fight Getzlaff yeah he gets involved in that occasionally uh, but Nemesikov I don't think I I've ever seen him fight even dating back to London I don't think I've ever seen him fight no not to mention though he snapped and tried to go after Getzy but Getzy was having none of it he's just a behemoth of a guy compared to a guy yeah, good luck yeah it's, <laughs> it was like it was like a man versus a child he just ragdolled him around and then when the referees were separating him you can see Getzloff give him the whole, oh, okay, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Nemeskov's yeah. like, oh, let's fight now. It's like, ah, whatever, dude. You got two referees in between you, you know, hiding behind your dad there at that point. But yeah. uh, on the same play, Kessler takes a penalty as he, I mean, destroyed somebody in front of the net as well. I didn't see who he hit, but he cleared the crease. Ducks take a, uh, you know, take a couple penalties there with Getzloff getting the four minutes for roughing, apparently. And same with Nemeskov. Kessler goes off for interference, two minutes. Rangers don't score. Um, I guess the highlight offensively here was Sprong with a great shot, but Georgia fights it off of the shoulder at the end of the at, towards the end of the first period. But other than that, man, pretty lackluster. We're reaching. Period. We're yeah. reaching for things at that point because literally nothing happened. There, there was nothing. And yeah, there's been a couple games like that this year, but it just sucks. It's it's so draining when it's off a of back to back, especially like the Pittsburgh game was pretty exciting, right? Like, oh, it was yeah. a pretty good game. It was it was a fun one to watch. A great second period. So you're kind of pumped up, and uh, just so deflating out of the gate. Like nothing happened. Like you said, like you you were getting trying to get excited about a sprung chance that wasn't really a golden <laughs> opportunity, and Getzlaff just obliterating some some twig behind the net, and like that's what we're trying to get excited about. But yeah, man, that was that was a. Uh, that was a tough one. That was a tough one to get through. I, I think for pretty much everybody. I, I mean, I think trying to find some plays, just to, to some highlights to put out for that first period was tough. <laughs> it was definitely reaching. That's for sure. Like you said, yeah. there wasn't a whole lot to talk about from the first period. But uh, shout out here to Gordon Bombay and Derek Lockwood, who've uh, jumped on our chat and said, hey, we're here. And uh, The Bombay. regulars. <laughs> <laughs> Bombay chimes in and says, I'm only here so I don't get fined. So fair enough, fair enough. Thank you guys uh, for joining in on the show tonight. Um, we can get right to the second period. Uh, Dotchin took a penalty at the end of that first period. It ended up being nothing here. Uh, the Ducks ended up getting an extended stay in the Rangers zone, able to get some chances, but nothing of the grade A variety. A pretty boring beginning to the second period as well. And then uh, Aberg gets tripped. Ducks go to the power play. 
And so why would they give up a shorthanded chance? As uh, Nieves gets a chance here on Johnson, Johnson's able to make the save. That was the Rangers' first shot in 10 minutes, according to the broadcast at that point. Uh, the, the shots finished 8-5 to five at the end of the first. It didn't even seem like it, though. Like, no. It really didn't seem like it, because normally you're like, oh, this team didn't get a first shot until 10, 10 minutes into the period. You're like, oh, the Ducks must have been dominating. Not really. No, just nobody was getting shots on goal. Which is, which is really strange. I mean, Dmitry Filipovich pointed out on Twitter, you know, it's, he said it was hilarious that the one night that Lundqvist and Gibson don't make a start, the teams, you know, have, and it was it was like a minute to go in the second period, haven't decided to give up tons of shots on goal with their backup goalies in net, yeah. which is true because both these teams are notorious this season for hemorrhaging shots on net. Um, but, yeah, not so much going on here. And then the most random goal happens here. The Ducks get on the board. Aberg with the beautiful redirect <laughs> off of Zuccarello, who's standing in front of the net. It goes between the legs of Georgiev, uh, makes it one nothing. It was actually a really good play by Ryan Getzloff to keep the puck in at the point, push it to the wall, cycle it down to Kasha. Kasha gives it back to Getzloff, feeds it around the horn to the other side where Aberg was. Aberg looks like he tried to feed Kasha back in the slot, but it goes off the uh, Rangers player's skate, back behind the net. We have a one nothing game. Yeah, I mean, it was a good attempt by Abrek to... Uh, I think if he gets it to Kasha, who was wide open, it's probably in the back of the net anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Ducks just lately have seemed to make a living off uh, scoring off the opposing team's players. Or just, when you look at the New Jersey game, just having the opposing team put the puck in the back of the net for you. Uh, the Ducks somehow uh, managed to do that lately. That's probably why their goal totals have increased uh, over three goals per game in the, in the month of December, just because about half of them are from the opposing team. Uh, great setup. Great to see Pontus Aberg get back in the score sheet. It had been a couple games since he'd scored a goal, and we were talking about that on the last show. Um, but that line is still doing well. Andre Kasha, Getzlaff, and, and Aberg seemed like the only dangerous line, really, for the Ducks on a consistent basis tonight. They were the best line statistically, um, barring maybe a couple chances from Henrik's line. Other than that, you know, Getzlaff was really the only one you notice on the ice. And uh, it still, still, still amazes me that... Uh, Pontus Aberg leads this team in goals, and the the Ducks' leading goal scorer at this point in the season only has 11. So that that <laughs> kind of tells you of their struggles right there. No, it's it's been tough outside of uh, outside of Getzloff this this game, right? It's hard to pick a player that stands out other than maybe his line mates, like you said. Um, yeah. But I mean, they're really just benefiting off of how well he's able to control the play when he's on the ice. Moving on from that goal, Richie and Sprong had. I mean, they had a pretty good two on one chance. Sprong foiled though. Uh, Ranger player lays up with the poke check on the two on one. Rangers counter, and then I started laughing because they had they had uh, an odd man rush going up the ice the other way, and they get blown for too many men. I thought that was pretty funny. So that was the highlight for me against the Rangers. There, I mean, what are you going to do? It happens, but it's still funny. It happened to them on an odd man rush, and then Getzloff and Kasha had a chance to make this a two nothing game. Probably the best scoring chance for the Ducks, honestly, after the goal was. Getzloff basically kicking the puck back into the slot on purpose to Kasha, who's streaking in on the slot, but he wasn't able to lift the puck. He was kind of rolling and fumbling a bit, but Georgia was able to make the glove save. He didn't even have to move his glove. Kasha just didn't lift it. Otherwise, we have a 2 nothing game, man, and that could really change the course of the rest of this game. Yeah, and again, it's those two guys, and those are really the two guys you expect to create any sort of offense this game, and Getzloff and Kasha. And if I sit here and try and remember the best chances that the Ducks had all game, it either involved Ryan Getzlaff or Andre Cash. I mean, even in the first period, I think it was, is Andre Cash had a half breakaway and just missed the top corner. 
Um, so it, it was those guys all night, and that's what we've kind of expected. They, they got on the score sheet. They they, they still are, are contributing, even though the Ducks only scored one goal. Andre Kasha has been amazing, like we said, since coming back. Getzloff gets a point, so he still remains very close to being a point per game this year. I think it's now 29 in 30 games for Getzloff this year, which is what we've just come to expect from him at this point. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's tough. The, the Ducks just had one of those games where I think they, they got tired pretty early, which I, I don't necessarily see why. It didn't seem like it was really that hard of a game against Pittsburgh, and then for some reason in this one, you know, it's not a far travel either getting from Pittsburgh to New York, but they just seemed like they were out of gas early. And it's not like the Rangers were tiring them out either. They just seemed not like they, they weren't really ready to go. No, they just weren't ready. Uh, I feel like this team came in here. They really had a chance to take over this game. Uh, the Rangers didn't look good or dangerous at all until the third period. I mean, Chad Johnson didn't really see any action until the third period, honestly. Um, yeah. And there's a player we need to talk about here, and it's unfortunate we have to we have to speak about him because I think it finally happened. I think Ryan Kessler has gone one goal for over 30 games. So, and he's looked did just I lose the bet? Invisible did I on lose? the ice. Last time he scored, dude, was November 6th. I think that was 19 was games ago. What was the bet we had? I that he would go one in 30. He'd have one goal in 30 games. Oh, I so he that did. But God damn it. Dude. I didn't think it would happen. I didn't. I honestly didn't think it would happen. I thought he would eventually scrape one in, but man, he didn't look good at all this game either. He hasn't he looked was, good uh, this season. Yeah, I'm on the power play too. Oh, uh, and then he coughed the puck up on the power play. Um, I don't get it. It's not a good look. It's. I, I'm not sure what's going on with Ryan Kessler. I mean, obviously the guy's coming back from major injury, major recovery, which we can get to here at the end of the game. Let's just get through this third period because it was brutal. Uh, going through the third period here, VC gets gets a big chance stopped by Johnson. Great blocker save there by Chad Johnson on the play. But the Rangers have just been able to get a ton of shots on goal at this point. It was nonstop, like absolutely nonstop Rangers going into the Ducks' ice. It was just tilted. The Ducks finished the third period with one shot on goal. So this tells you kind of how it was going. Um, Sherwood got blown up in the neutral zone. Did you see his little ass go flying through the, through the, uh, the neutral zone there in front of the benches? Yeah, that that's gonna happen. When you're, you're you're really not that big of a guy, and, and Sherwood gets moving at times. He's a pretty quick guy. Uh, he's a so fast if he kid. Doesn't, if he doesn't have his head up, somebody's gonna catch him, and he's gonna go fly in the opposite direction. And I, I said that laughing because I'm, all the Rangers fans are like, oh, like it was a massive hit against this guy, and it's like, okay, you got to remember this guy's like five nine, five ten on a who great day. Him? Who hit him? I don't remember. Do probably know? Mark Stahl or yeah. something like that, right? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's probably some some guy who's about twice the size of Keeper Sherwood. Yeah, so I was laughing him. because it's like, come on, it wasn't that big of a hit either. Um, Rangers fans need something to get excited about. Okay, I mean, this is this has been an awful year for them. Well, so. I mean, I'm sure they're probably pretty still excited about the cup they won 24 years ago. Yeah, or, or they made it to the finals. <laughs> uh, was it against the Kings? Yeah, they that blew was, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kings smoked him. It's about the journey. It's about the journey. Yeah, yeah. That's what life's all about. (laughs) (laughs) So the Ducks in this third period, honestly, I want to save you guys, you know, the heartache to listen to the third period through us because it wasn't good. Uh, My favorite player, man, Hampus Lindholm. Another tough game, dude. He had a really, really tough game. And we've got to talk about it here on this Ranger goal. Nemestikov ends up scoring a goal on an innocent-looking rush. They didn't have an odd man chance. There was just no gap control. Sprong was behind Nemestikov. Lindholm's in front. Somehow his stick is free to accept the pass and shoot the puck all in one motion. Chad Johnson didn't really have a chance on the slot there. 
I don't know what was going on in that play. I mean, maybe just a brain fart or something here, but uh, not a good look for Hampus Lindholm. And he's, you know, he's allowed to have an off night too. But just consistently lately, I've seen kind of rough play from him, honestly. Yeah, that was that was all on Hampus Lindholm. Daniel Sprong actually did a good job because he checks behind him, and uh, I'm not sure who the Rangers player number 54 is, but that's who Sprong is worried about, and he's checking back to make sure that the pass doesn't go back to the slot and go to him. Hampus Lindholm's only job there is to man mark Nemestikov, and he doesn't, and uh, he kind of just skates backwards. I think he caught puck watching a little bit and then didn't really think that, that Nemestikov was going to be able to get a stick on it, but there's no play by Lindholm to kind of interrupt the pass. There's no play for him to get his stick in the way of the shot. He's just kind of basically being a screen for Chad Johnson. and, and Just standing there. To, yeah, to get a free shot off. And you don't see that from Hampus Lindholm often. And, I mean, at this point, everybody looked tired. So you, maybe you chalk that up to that a little bit, that Hampus Lindholm was just gassed at that point and his head just wasn't in the game because it really seemed like everybody but Getzlaff, uh, Kasha, and Auberg – they just weren't really in it tonight. Nobody was really in the game. They were all kind of checked out. It seemed like they wanted to just move on and go to the next game. Usually you see that at the end of a road trip. This is the second game in, which isn't a great sign. It was on a back-to-back, for sure. But, man, it's tough to say because, you know, Hampus Lindholm has been so great for the Ducks, and he rarely makes mistakes like that. But, uh, I mean, this is a glaring one. He's got to own up to that. I'm sure he's going to look at it and realize that he should have done better on that play. Yeah, I mean, 5-on-5, five five, it wasn't a good look for him. He was the Ducks' second-to-worst defender along with Brandon Montour for possession-wise. How many times does that happen, right? That not often. Happen. Not often that they're the worst two defenders on the ice uh, defensively there. So not a great look for them. But, uh, I mean, like you said, this is the second half of back-to-backs. I don't want to rip the Ducks in this. They've had such a good stretch run. I don't want to be a doom-and-gloom guy because, I mean, really, yeah. this team's killing it. They're 8-2 in their last 10. They've climbed all the way back up to the Pacific Division. They're playing really well. They have an off game. That's fine. But now they got to face have these exactly every now and then. Yeah. And so, who do they have on you... Thursday? Who's the next team coming up? Oh God! <laughs> I put you on the spot. I thought you just knew off the top of your head. Yeah, you did. I felt like you know. No, the thing is, because now I'm on the road. Boston. Before I had that the little. Uh, or your little, little cheat sheet. The little uh, <laughs> thing that you get at the game. The little pamphlet <laughs> that has the. I got it when I was down there, so I had it. I could just open it and look at it. But, yeah, it's it's Boston on Thursday, Buffalo on Saturday, and then uh, the next game isn't until after Christmas after that on the, the Thursday, the 27th, against the Sharks. So going yeah, into Christmas, I mean, not, not easy. Boston no, but, I mean, no, not easy, but they don't know we're back-to-back, so they get four days off before they see the Sharks. Um, they're 2-1-1 on this road trip right now. They beat Columbus on Friday. Or on Saturday, beat Pittsburgh last night. They lose to the Rangers in a heartbreaker tonight with being 40 seconds to go. Uh, let's get to that goal here. It wasn't awesome or anything. I mean, a short-handed partial breakaway for Hayes. He squeaks it through on Chad Johnson as he's backing up into the net. It, I mean, come on. If that doesn't go in, we're going to overtime here. The Ducks get a point out of it. Totally different conversation we're having tonight, even if they lose. Hey, at least they get a point. It's a positive side of things. That's a tough way to go down. Johnson played a pretty solid game. I think he did everything he had to do. It just squeaked through him at this point. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to blame him for that goal. Um, I, I know in the beginning I said as advertised on how his debut would go, but I think that was a bit harsh because there there really isn't much he could do. Uh, I mean, Kevin Hayes has been unbelievable for the Rangers lately, and uh, he's he's pretty much in alone. I mean, Aubrey gets close to getting back, but there's you know there's not much you can do, and a guy is is on a hot streak like that. 
He's going to put the puck to the back of the net. Johnson does pretty well. Maybe he doesn't squeeze it enough to get it because it is it is kind of a soft one to let in, especially with 40 seconds to go. And it's such a tough game. The Ducks are playing such a bad period. You would think, oh, they're on the power play. They're going to be able to at least squeeze this one out. Was that the play where Ryan Kessler just gave the puck to nobody in the offensive zone that turned it over? Yeah, Ryan Kessler. Yeah. That's the kind of season he's having. That that's it's... who you can blame this goal on because, honestly, that's what leads to the breakaway to begin with is Kessler just gives it away to Nenestikov, who just loops it up over the boards right to Kevin Hayes. And, I mean, what's Aubrey supposed to do on that play? He's, he's manning the point on the power play. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not expecting that type of play to happen. He does his best to get back, but Kevin Hayes has about three or four steps on him. And not like Kevin Hayes is a fast guy, but that, that's enough for him to at least get a, a, basically a breakaway. It almost turned into a half breakaway, but tough one. It's a tough way to lose because I was thinking, you know, at least we can go into uh, into OT, get a point. If Even if the Ducks lose this game, you still manage to get a point out of, of uh, just a lackluster effort from pretty much everybody, but kind of a heartbreaking way to lose. No, it's brutal. I mean, there's not much else you can say about it. And then uh, is it Chital or Chatil? I don't know how they say I've his heard, name. Dude, I've heard so many. Cheadle? Like, Don Cheadle? Heedle, <laughs> I heard Heedle. I heard Heedle on the like, broadcast for sure. <laughs> apparently the C is silent, so it's just Heedle. Oh, yeah. yeah um, he gets the empty net and makes it 3-1. to one. That wraps the game there. The only question I have for you can, going back to the game is, I think it's fair to blame Chad Johnson for the loss purely because he wore a Blues helmet uh, and a Ducks uniform tonight. <laughs> I want to say but, it's easy uh, to blame him for that. He should have had something ready. The Ducks statue had something ready. That's a bad omen. That team is a sinking ship, and uh, yeah. he brings their their equipment the onto the ice for the Ducks. Just brutal. That's why the Ducks weren't playing. Yeah, my girlfriend asked me about that. She was like, can they even do that? <laughs> I, was I was like, like well, what? I mean, I mean, come on. you get, you got to have a stock helmet somewhere that this guy can wear, right? Gibby, I just mean, loan I, it. I get it. Miller, you're not I playing the rest yeah. of your loan it. <laughs> well, if it, if it, yeah, if it fits him. But I mean, like I know these guys get generally one helmet. If you're Chad Johnson, you probably have one helmet. You're you were like a like borderline backup in in St. Louis anyway. So you they couldn't have went to a hockey giant or somewhere and yeah, just got him a stock saying. helmet, just like a stock white. Like that's what you usually see when a goalie gets traded. It's yeah. a stock white helmet. They just go get a stock white, whatever. But. uh and it's not like they didn't have time to prepare. He got picked up, what, four days ago, five days ago? Yeah, and it's easy to thrash him, too, because uh, Jason's not on the show. So and he, he would have defended Chad Johnson to the nth degree. So, yeah, thanks, he did Jay. play bad. No, he, he didn't. He well, did. because he wore the blues, the blues mask. At least we can blame somebody and Ryan Kessler. Yeah, I agree with Derek Lockwood and Chad. He said Johnson played decent tonight. I agree. I mean, that last goal, kind of soft. It happens, though. Even the best goalies give him a squeaker. And it's just unfortunate, the timing of it, honestly. Um, yeah. Just tough. He did so, what you asked him a backup goalie, so. Mm-hmm. Oh, I had a really positive article from The Point. If you guys don't follow The Point on Twitter, go do it for hockey. It's amazing. They Okay, if you like stats like me and you're a super dork and you like reading about how these stats factor in the games, then go follow. If you don't you give a crap about like any of that, everyone's like, oh, yeah, what's this great website. Twitter handle? Tell us, tell us. <laughs> And then I'm like, oh, here's what they're about. And they're like, yeah, that's dumb. We don't want to go look at that stuff. Who cares? <laughs> I get it. Um, I had this huge positive article about the Ducks, though, coming from uh, they're the Point Hockey, uh, at the Point Hockey. It talks about uh, why the Ducks are having such good success right now in this little stretch. Um, lots more of the, of the shots coming from the slot. Ducks making a bigger effort in that area. Scoring chances are up. 
uh, inner slot shots, so lower in the slot, those are even bigger and better chances, more in the house area, as players call it. Uh, passing to the slot's been much better. So, where I'm going with all of this, Eddie? I don't want to say it. Do I have to give it to Randy Carlisle? <laughs> do, I have to, uh, do I have to give this to Randy Carlisle? Uh, well, I Is mean... Is he morphing and changing article, into the ways of the new NHL? The, the article gives a lot of credit to Andre Kasha coming back. They said the moment he came back, uh, that changed the way the Ducks set up on offense and the way their top line was set up. And, and you know, just the way Andre Kasha plays is he makes those plays to the slot and he'll try and make those passes or be in that position. Oh, how uh, weird. It's not just on him. How it's weird though. A speedy guy with hands, uh, creating more yeah, chances. Right. Go figure. But the numbers have, they increased significantly from, I think they had looked at the last 10 games for the ducks until obviously tonight's game. Um, and their, their inner slot, like their inner slot passes, their, their slot shots, like you said, that just, the chances created from there it's it's been a significant increase and we've talked about sitting here saying oh, i like you can see the changes for the ducks but what really has changed and you gotta give gotta give some credit mm. to, to randy carl as much as it pains me to do so you kind of got to i don't know if he like he's changed completely um and a lot of it maybe is on the players just generating more chemistry and just kind of we, we haven't seen too many line changes lately cat like kasha has gelled nicely with uh with Getzlaff. Uh, Richie Henrique and, and Sprong have done well together. At times, the fourth line has looked good. The only inconsistent line is Kessler, Coglano, and Silverberg, but they're out there more so for defense rather than offense. So some of it goes to just chemistry building between this team, guys being able to actually be on a line for longer than a couple games and get to know their line mates, which is nice. Uh, but you got to give him some credit. You have to. You can't just – just because you hate him, you can't exclude him from the credit there, that the fact that the Ducks are just starting to – play in a way that they're generating more slot chances which which generally leads to success i mean we we've seen it the ducks won nine of the last nine of the last 10 going into tonight and that has to be a, a big reason and you look at the fact they're goal scoring i think they said it went up from 1.7 goals per game to 3.1 mm-hmm. massive increase you're going to win games by doing that especially when you have a goaltender like john gibson in net who is in top five in most goaltender categories. You know, if you're getting those types of performances, then your goal scoring almost doubles. You're going to start winning games. So uh, I, I got I got to give some credit to, to Randy Carl as much as it hurts me. Oh, and just a little bit of international, or not international, but like I guess we say hockey-wide praise for John Gibson. If uh, those of you want to hear a little bit about him and the Vesna, download the PDO cast, Dmitry Filipovich's podcast, and the newest one go to 18 minutes he has a good little talk there uh with one of his guests um about how good john gibson is and why he's actually running away with the vesna trophy this year and how good he's been of recent so it's awesome to see that kind of praise out there man from a major media guy this guy's out there uh and very popular amongst twitter so good to see that he's he's able to get some eyes on the ducks we'd have to have uh paul from ingle media back on too oh yeah we need to have paul back on for sure yeah get him talking about gibson he was uh big proponent of john gibson getting a best nomination which didn't end up happening and uh you know it's it's funny because it's always the goalie guys and the analytics guys who love john gibson mm-hmm. and everybody else is like whatever he's not he's no pecorino or oh he's, he's not no vasilevsky or yeah Vasil- that's the one that's what i wanted to bring up yesterday but we went so in depth on it that we were just going too long i had but to cut vasilevsky, you off from your love fest <laughs> vasilevsky gets so much praise and at times for good reason he is a great young goaltender uh, but John Gibson has been better than him. 
Mm-hmm. He's been better than, than Vasilevsky's been, arguably behind a much worse team when you looked at how stacked that that Tampa Bay Lightning team is, not just up front, but on defense as well. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, they're by far better. And, and, and Vasilevsky gets a ton of praise. He's dubbed like the best young goaltender in the league, the the few, one of the future top goaltenders in the league, and Vesna candidate year in, year out. Hellebuck even at times because of, of what he did last year was, was getting touted like that above John Gibson. Meanwhile, John Gibson gets mentioned by nobody except, like I said, analytics guys and, and goalie guys, and that's mm-hmm. it. it I, don't, I don't get it, man. It, it's A lot of it probably has to do with the fact that he's in Anaheim. He's maybe not the best personality guy. When you look at him, he's kind of standoffish a bit, but I, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a bunch of things combined into it, but it, it, he doesn't care. But for no. us, we're, we're like, this guy deserves more credit, and he's not getting it. So we have, we have a, uh, a quick question here in our chat. Matt Yacono says, do you think Fowler's absence has any absence has any bearing on Lindholm's poor play lately? Maybe they showed a uh, stat that Lindholm was in, I think, just outside the top five in, in ice time per game. He's over twenty five minutes per game. If Fowler's in the lineup, uh, not to say that goes down significantly, but it does go down a little bit, which I mean gives him a little bit of a break. I mean, the guy, I don't know how many how many minutes he played tonight, but he's probably getting close to playing. 50 minutes in the last two nights that's that's tough for anybody mm-hmm. to be able to do that and i mean i'm gonna check just because i want to figure out what it was yeah he, he played, played 22 yeah 22. 22 32 played just over 24 last game so he, he played about 50 or sorry 47 minutes <laughs> in the last uh less than 24 hours so that's tough that's tough for anybody and he's doing that on a nightly basis and uh when you look at some of the other guys who are up there they have uh, some support right now seth jones was the leader he's got support in zach Orensky on his line and some other guys who are stepping up in that uh, columbus blue jackets defense and you know when cam fowler comes back it gives them some more freedom cam fowler eats up a chunk of those minutes lintel maybe only plays 20 to 21 minutes and that makes a huge difference over a long period of time so i, I definitely think it, it has had some bearing on uh, Hampus Lindholm's play. You look at, I mean, penalty kill, power play. Hampus Lindholm's getting put out in all those situations now. He has to be basically playing the role of Cam Fowler because maybe you, you, you definitely can't trust, I think, Josh Maher at this point, putting him out in those big situations. You probably don't want to trust Jacob Larson. So then you've only got one left-handed defenseman to be able to do that role. And so you're playing... You know, in the, the the last two minutes of every period, Hampus Lindholm's on the ice. Mm-hmm. The you know penalty kill, big situations, defensive zone uh, faceoffs, Hampus Lindholm's on the ice. Generally, he's playing all those hard minutes. It's not like it's twenty two easy minutes. It's twenty two hard minutes where he's playing probably against the other team's best players and in the most important situations of the game. And that wears on a guy when you don't really have anybody else to help you out. And you know, Brandon Montour has been able to thrive on that because. He has all this space open up from all the the work that Hampus Lindholm has to do, right? And you know, Cam Fowler sometimes will take a little bit of weight off his shoulders. So I think when he comes back, mm-hmm. it'll be a huge burden lifted off uh, Hampus Lindholm that he'll actually able be able to do a little bit more and not have to worry about all that pressure on him. That's not a slight against Brandon Montour. That guy is just on a roll right now. I mean, everyone had an off game yeah. today, and Montour sure. is just a buzzsaw right now for the Ducks. He's killing it. And he's playing great. He's feeling it. For sure. Hampus Lindholm was the worst player on the ice, if you ask me tonight. Um, he was definitely on the very bottom of of uh, the scoring chance differential, the high danger scoring chance differential, all those little micro stats that I like to look at. You break it all down, 
he was definitely the worst defensive player for the Ducks. It's unfortunate he made a few mistakes too. Tough go for him. Uh, and lately, I've kind of feel like his play has slipped a little bit. But it could be just a tough run for him. Who knows? Uh, there's been a lot of uh, lineup changes for the Ducks until recently. You know, he took a while to get used to playing with Brandon Montour. We always thought, like, when the hell are they going to put Manson Lindholm back together and Fowler and Montour, which looked so great last year. That's probably never going to happen. Speaking of that, um, I think the the Ducks Twitter at the beginning when they they tweet out their starting lineups, they like fooled everybody because I, I I remember I think seeing Lindholm and Manson as the starting opening pair on faceoff, and I was looking for that at the beginning of the game, and then it was Lindholm with Montour again. We'll have to double check that, but I'm pretty sure that's what they tweeted was Lindholm with Manson. I'm like, oh, they're doing it, they're going back and they're gonna go back to it. And I'm, who's gonna play with uh, Brandon Montour? And of course. Uh, they're not doing that. There's no way they're doing that. Even I mean, when Cam Fowler comes I back. I mean, Lindy, you know? Lindy played a whole uh, minute 25, five on five with Josh Manson. So. <laughs> First shift of the game, and that was it. <laughs> First shift of the game in probably the last 30 seconds, and that, <laughs> that, was, that was probably it. Dude, it was a tough go for Lindholm tonight. As the rest, the Ducks kind of stared at everybody else walking past them in the third period. Let's get to our listener questions. I know you said we had quite a few from Twitter. Yeah, we uh, we actually been getting a lot lately, which has been pretty good. So yeah, thank you guys for for that. We appreciate all the feedback and any kind of questions you guys want us to talk about. Shoot them over. Yeah, and even if uh, even if it's not on game day, if you just have a question that you want for the next show and it's a couple days out, just send us a message on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and we'll just have it ready for the next show. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, on kind of on topic here, American Duck on Twitter said. Uh, D pairings once Fowler comes back. Do you break up Manson and Larson? Do you put Fowler with Dodgson? What do you think will happen once he comes back? Um, because likely we were talking about yesterday, Mahura probably gets sent down. Mahura goes down, and then you're gonna have you're gonna have Manson and Fowler and Montour Lindholm. That's pretty much it's gonna go back yeah. to what it was. And Larson and Dodgson. I think yep, that's I think so too. And yeah. Larson haven't noticed him, man. Yeah, like you said last night, which is that's a good, good thing. Yeah, I haven't good, really yeah. noticed the kid at all. So yeah, so um, yeah, I think I think that's likely. I don't think they switched it up too much. Um, as much as we'd probably love them to go Lintel Manson, Fowler, Montour, and Larson Dotchin, uh, that likely doesn't happen. Uh, maybe later on in the season, who knows? But they seem set on not putting those guys back together for whatever reason. So I, I highly doubt we see anything too different. It's it's pretty much. Larson goes or Mahura goes down. Larson goes down to that bottom pairing, and Fowler just comes in and takes Larson's spot on Manson's left side. So I, I don't see it being any different than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Skid McMarks again, one of the best names that we've had. <laughs> he says, uh, "How do we get rid of Ryan Kessler? And can we can we bench Cogliano for oh. and Perry when they come back?" Uh, I mean. Okay, let's let's clear this up real quick. Um, you're, you're not going to be able to bench Ryan Kessler. Uh, I mean, the guy's got one goal since November 6th, yep. and he has like two points in that time span. And you say what you want, that he's out there to be a defender. He's out there to be the guy that shuts down the other team's lines. The guy has not been noticeable. And, you know, I don't really feel like he's doing the greatest job and he's playing let's look at his minutes so far how many minutes do you think he played tonight did you see him a bunch i would i would probably say 17 18 a couple penalty kills yeah he he played uh 1946 so he's he's getting standard minutes again he's right back into the mix of where he's always been just not as effective uh, 
if if I wouldn't be so much worried about the points if he was just shut down everybody. If that line was just dominating opposing teams top lines and they weren't getting any anything because we've seen that before mm-hmm. from from that line when it was at its heyday there were times where they the squishy just went dry for them but they were doing so well defensively they were shutting down guys like Connor mcdavid and the, the jonathan taves and patrick kane line when they were together in the playoffs and they they were just shutting down some of the best players in the game and it didn't matter that they weren't going getting on the score sheet sometimes they would get hot and they would play well and, and they would start putting pucks in the back of the net yeah, I, I wouldn't care that Ryan Kessler had one goal in the last 30 games if he was doing that, but he's not. He's not, and he's making mistakes. He didn't look great tonight. The The Rangers' top line is not a difficult one to shut down. I know they didn't really get much done. It was Nemnestikov's line who really got things done, but still, Ryan Kessler just didn't look great. Put him on the power play. Did not really benefit at all to be on the power play. Uh, that's probably, again, what inflated his, his numbers a bit. But, yeah, it, it's tough. Uh, you, you can't you can't get rid of him at this point unless you buy him out. We've talked about no. that before, which is, is, is an option the Ducks might pursue. Who knows? I mean, if he goes the entire season without scoring another goal and puts up maybe like three assists, finishes with less than 10 points in about 60 or 70 games, that's a real consideration at that point when you're paying him almost $7 million and then you look at the defensive statistics, and they aren't even there at all either. I mean, the Ducks aren't even really using him in big faceoffs anymore. It's it's Adam Henrique. This is his lowest output so far, defensively and offensively. He's got. I don't know. We're early in the season still. He, he we're about a third of the way through for him, right? Or a little over that. He's played yeah. thirty-three games. He has three goals at even strength. No other points at even strength. And they came early. They came early when he came back. And everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, damn, Ryan Kessler looks good. And uh, even when the Ducks started getting better, he was like the only guy that did not trend up with the team. Pretty much everybody else. Like I could, You could list off every player who's played over that last, before tonight, the 9, uh, nine and 10 stretch where they won 9 of their last 10. You know, Hans Saber, Getzlaff, uh, Kasha. Uh, Sprong, Henrique, Ritchie, the fourth line, Gibbons, Rowney, uh, Kiefer Sherwood. They all looked good. Even Cogliano and, and Silverberg at times were doing something. The only guy who looked mediocre throughout that entire stretch was Ryan Kessler. Didn't do anything impressive, made mistakes here and there, just looked like mediocre. He just didn't mm-hmm. look good. And the Ducks were winning games easily at times. I mean, they won nine of the last 10, 11 of the last 13 going in tonight. Ryan Kessler was the only player that you're just like, wow, he hasn't done anything. Everybody else has at least done something, showing up in, in a game here or there. Um, I agree with Matt Yacono in our chat, though. You know, it, it's been tough to watch, but you got to love the guy's heart. I mean, For you sure. got to love it. You got to love he battles every night. Um, it, he's, he's always that guy. He always wears his emotions on his sleeve. He's out there to win every night. You know, he'll go through whoever he has to go through to win. Um, it just hasn't been effective. It's it's really sad, man, because he's fought all the way back from this crazy injury, and to see him not be even half of the same player that he was is really is honestly really tough to watch. And the bet's not over. He is one goal in twenty nine games, by the way. Ooh. He has one right, goal Boston, in twenty nine. Yeah. So if he scores against Boston, you win because he scored October seventeenth. He had two goals against the Islanders. Since then, he's had one goal, and it's been twenty nine games. All right, I'm feeling a I'm feeling a Ryan Kessler goal in Boston. So here we go. Um, let's let's move on to next question from Christopher, and he actually says, "No, this isn't Christopher Smith." <laughs> <laughs> so he says, "What what does an extension look like for Aberg at the end of the season?" 
Ah, oh, man. Um, let's say he puts up 20 goals. What's what's his total right now? I think he's at 11, 10. 11 goals after tonight, and oh, 11. I think okay. he's at 9 assists. I'll double-check, but just let's say he finishes 20 goals, 35, 40 points. He has 11 goals, 8 assists, so he's at 19 points tonight. Let's just say he doubles and a half it, right? So, yeah, he so comes out. goals, 16 assists. There you go, yeah. So, yeah. hmm. That's tough. That's yeah. It's tough because you look at you. you got to take into to account previous seasons too. Uh, Twenty sixteen seventeen, uh, one goal, one assist, fifteen games with the Predators. The next season, two goals, six assists, eight points, thirty seven games. Last, uh, oh sorry, for half of last year, and then the other half of last year was two goals, six assists, eight points in sixteen games for the Oilers. So he finished with sixteen points in fifty three games. Now he's at 17 points. So after tonight, it's 18 points in 28 games. Huge increase. Career highs across the board for him. And then obviously, if he finishes with 20 goals and uh, and 16 assists, it, it's a career year for him. But I mean, his totals right now, do? dude, are he's got 11 goals, eight assists, so 19 points in 30 games. Yeah, I mean, it may be it. It's a late bloomer type thing. This was a guy who was a second round pick in 2012. I mean, he turns he is 26 this summer. Yeah, so he he's but he's 26. It's still some time. He's still relatively young. Was a former second round pick. Had a pretty good second half of the season with the Oilers last year. Wasn't playing with Connor McDavid, I don't believe. And then comes in here. But the thing for me is he's playing with Ryan Getzlaff, and he's playing well, but. I don't know necessarily if you bank on a big contract with a guy with after one good season playing with your best player and one of the best playmakers in, in the National Hockey League. If it's a one- or two-year deal at under $2 million or around that, sure, I'll take I'll take the, my chances with that if the Ducks can afford it. Um, they're probably going to let Silverberg go anyway, so there'll be some room there if they want to take that oh, risk. Yeah. But if he if he's asking for you know three or four years and it's close to three million, I don't I don't do that. I don't do that because there's a there's a chance that he might not be that player again. We we look at the Ducks gambling on Patrick Eves after having a career year late in his career. It's not the same situation, but the likelihood was he wasn't going to have a season like that again. Uh, unfortunately, he went through injuries and illness, and we haven't really been able to see him try and get back to doing that. But I still believe fully he probably was not going to have another twenty goal season. Let me ask. Let me ask you this. Club. Let's say he hits forty-five points. Okay, Tom so he, he he more than doubles what he's got right now. He's got he's got what a little over forty some odd games left. Let's say he gets another twenty twenty-five points. Right, so he finishes between forty and fifty. That's a point every other game. More than that, he's got right. forty-six games left this let's, year. Let's see. So let's say he gets around that. Okay, he's almost a yeah. point a game guy. Do you think he gets Andre Kasha money? Which is what? How much under Kasha? Two point six per. For how many years? Well, Kasha's got it this year, next year, and the year after. Just a three-year deal. Ah oh, man, if he hit twenty goals and forty-five points, and you lock him down for, let's say, two to three years at two point six, I would take the gamble. I think. I would gamble and do it. If you, if I'd have to obviously look at the Ducks cap situation and make sure it's something they could fit in. And but you know, knowing who they have to sign, there's not many guys they really have to lock down anymore. No. Um, I I would be down for it as long as it stays um, 
before some of the ELC, the other ELC, ELCs come up, just in case those guys have good years. Um, obviously, you don't want to include a no move or anything in that, so that you don't have to. Uh, He's an RFA. He's going to get shafted. They're not going to give him what he wants. He, he can, you know what I mean? It, it's not going to yeah. matter. I don't no, think he's going to go that high. If I was a Ducks, though, I, I would. Depending on where they are, I would. Ex- if 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 he's close to twenty goal trade and is over thirty points, I would explore trading. Honestly, I would explore trading him and seeing what you can get for him. If you can get a second round or a first round pick, I would do it because I don't know if this guy is going to be a consistent twenty goal scorer. You have, yes, it could backfire. Yeah. Uh, if you're in a good position, keep him. Trade Silverberg because you don't want to lose him for nothing take the chance that you could probably get a low contract for Pontus Aberg and hope that you know Aberg will, will be able to make up for the production that you're losing out from Silverberg with and if Daniel Sprong is still around uh, still playing with the Ducks which we assume he will be that uh, they can make up for that that loss there that's that's what I would do uh, but if you're if you're somehow if they slump and they're not in a great position I would explore that option and, and see what you can get from if you're there's going to be teams who are going to make offers for him I, I can guarantee that and if, if one comes that's too good to be true, I think you you got to trade him. you got to trade him at that point. Yeah, and you're pretty much not going to sign Jakob Silverberg. I think that's a no. foregone conclusion right now. Just given the cap situation for the Ducks, I mean, that's a tough call. That's a really tough call what you're going to pay him. I, I think that uh, I think the contract probably be half of what Andre Kashi got. I think you're looking more along the lines of what Nick Ritchie got rather than what Andre Kasha got. It's because we've seen how dynamic Kasha can be on his own, up and down the lineup, whereas uh, Aberg's really only you know super noticeable to me when he's playing with Ryan Getzel, like you said. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And it, it's tough for me, Jakob Silverberg. Uh, we've got into it a lot, but I, I think just what he's going to want, I think it's going to be too much for the Ducks with some other contracts kicking in. And uh, that that's one of those situations, the, the point he's at in his career uh, he might be at a spot where he'll, he could ask for that no move clause for the Ducks. He might not want to move on, and and then you, you're he's another guy you have to look at maybe protecting at the uh, at the expansion draft. And if you keep him around, uh, you might have to expose him. And then at that point, where you just sign this guy for two for a five year contract, two years in, you lose him for nothing to Seattle. Uh, what was the point of even you know restricting your cap space at that point? It, I think the Ducks have enough young talent in the in the lineup. I, you know, when you look at Troy Terry, Sam Steele, Max Jones, Maxim Comtois, that are really close. Isaac Lindstrom, mm-hmm. that you can let a guy like Silverberg go and just promote a guy who is on the ELC, not making a ton of money, and use that money elsewhere and try and get some get better in a position that you need it in. Whether it be getting a new backup goaltender if Ryan Miller isn't re-signed to a one-year or two-year deal at the end of this year or shoring up your defense to try and get a good bottom pairing guy, or just going out and getting some more depth guys that, that kind of complement the way the Ducks want to play. Mm-hmm. So I can see that. I can see that happening. But um, let's move on to the next question. Uh, Skid McMarks showing up again with another question. Uh, he says, does it seem like the Pacific is starting to look more competitive? It seems all divisions are pretty close standings-wise, aside from Tampa running away with their division. Mm-hmm. I think so. I mean, yeah, but I don't really feel like they're a powerhouse. I mean, maybe they're getting their act together well, no. right now, but this but it's starting to look more dangerous. When you look at uh, before, we said it was it was the reason the Ducks were even in it was because of how bad the division is. 
Then the Ducks go and win nine of their last ten, and they haven't really made up any ground on anybody because Calgary continued to win. Uh, Edmonton was was on like I think a five game winning streak at one point. Vegas was winning games. I mean, even you look at even now after tonight's game, uh, the Ducks after winning eight of their last ten now or nine of their last eleven or however you want to look at it, just a lot of their games uh, in, in the last month and a half. They are in third in the Pacific Division with a 19-12-5 record. San Jose, I believe, playing tonight, tied on them with, with points at 43 with one game in hand. Calgary is 46 with two games in hand. Vegas is three points behind, same games played. Edmonton is four points behind with two games in hand. And even Vancouver is just kind of hanging around. I mean, for me, it's Edmonton and Vegas have started playing better. San Jose is kind of picked up their act a little bit and Calgary I mean San Jose's won five in a row they beat Minnesota tonight four nothing and Calgary's smoking the Blues seven to two they're about ready to win their fourth in a row they're moving to nine and one in their last ten so yeah I mean the Pacific Division is definitely playing better I just I I don't know if I'm outside the Pacific I'm not really fearing any team coming out of the West right now no 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 or out of the Pacific in general for his question I think that the Pacific is Starting to look more competitive. I agree. Uh, inside within the division, I think it's becoming a tougher division, where teams are all playing good at the same time. Sharks are playing well. Ducks are playing well. Oilers, Vegas are all playing well. Calgary is continuing to play well. Now are the you have Kings five teams. really trying to lose and get Jack Hughes right now? By the way, I don't think they're trying. I think they're just that bad. Did you see uh, Drew Doughty go to the bench in the middle of a play against Pittsburgh? No. Holy shit! You have to look that up. I forget who had the puck, but they scored on the play. Not even a line change? Oh, dude, just goes to the bench. It's not even a line change. It's in the middle of a play. Pittsburgh has the puck circling into the slot. They shoot for the puck from the top of the circle, and it scores. But before that happens, the defender got beat. Dowdy literally just skates to the bench. Leaves the whole front of the net wide open. Quick gets scored on there. I don't know what the hell's happening in LA, but they're a minus thirty-one in goal differential. They're dead last in the Pacific. It's uh, it's mighty fun to watch. Just saying, it is, but <laughs> it, it isn't when you know what's at stake in the draft. Oh, if they get Jack it's, Hughes, it's like, dude, it, it's them in Chicago that are really bad right now. Mm-hmm. And if either of them get Jack Hughes, that's such a major disappointment when it's you look waste. at the other teams who are still struggling and have had high draft picks. And watch just, Edmonton find a way to get hit. to get Jack Hughes. <laughs> yeah, somehow. But it, no, it's just it's just crazy, man. Because like Arizona has had high pick after high pick, and Dylan Strom didn't work out for them, and uh, so now they've they've kind of re ran from that. They're still looking for a number one center. Mm-hmm. Jack Hughes landing there would be great for them. Uh, even New Jersey, who is not doing too great, Jack Hughes going there would be huge for them because you know them, they'd have a combo up the middle of him and Nico Heischer. I just want to see him go to a team that's been bad for a long time. Not the LA Kings, who've been bad for the last four years or whatever, and came came off winning two Stanley Cups, or the Chicago Blackhawks, who were considered a dynasty at one point, are bad for two seasons, and get Jack Hughes just because they were extra bad this year, and now Corey Crawford, who's potentially his career is over, because he suffered another concussion after barely coming back from the concussion before that, he might be done. He's probably done for the entire season. They're just going to be continue to be bad this year. Uh, I don't want either of them to get him but that's what's probably gonna happen because the ducks aren't in that conversation anymore no so gordon bombay in our chat says that uh, some people are saying hughes is being a little overrated uh he's no mcdavid or matthews what are your thoughts on that you you're a big uh, ohl well, guy he's definitely i don't think he's mcdavid um 
and I and I think it's more so in the U.S. where they're pumping him up to be a McDavid because I mean he's American, he's he's in the the U.S. national development system. Oh, here we system. go. There we go. Canadian bias. Well, here I mean, we go. The, the, the Canadian media did that with Connor McDavid. Mm, yeah, but they, McDavid they was as advertised. So. Yeah, but they they do that with some of their their players. Well, they're doing it right now with Alexis Lafreniere. He just made Team Canada for the World Juniors. Uh, he he's supposed to go first overall in next year's draft or what well, the 2020 draft, and he's getting kind of pumped like that as well. Uh, you're always going to get that. I, I think he can be really good. He's I think I think he either already has or he's going to break all the the records for a young player in that national development team system in one season, which includes Jack Eichel and Austin Matthews records down there as well. Um, We'll see what he does at World Juniors. If, if he lights it up, I mean, it's tough, man. He makes plays on a nightly basis. He he looks great. Uh, every time I've seen him play, he, he's an unbelievable player. He looks like he's worlds above everybody else. I don't think he's Connor McDavid, but there, there's a chance he could be better than Austin Matthews. Gordon there, Bombay chimes in. Well, he has this in quotes. Well, he's no Canadian. And then he signed off his Eddie. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that sums up my argument. He's, he's, no, he's, not, he's not Canadian, so he's not going to be good. <laughs> um, and Austin Matthews sucks. Connor McDavid. Holy shit, the kid's got 49 points in 33 games right now. He's almost at 20 goals. He's already got 30 assists. He wanted to score 50 this year. <sighs> yeah, he's probably going insane. to. Imagine coming off of a 100-point season. You're like, ah, I scored 41. I want to score 50 this year. What the hell? I want to be <laughs> Ovi this year. I'm just going to bury a bunch of goals. But that's what the, the thing is too. Like, I remember looking back at his points and say, knowing that he had a hundred, and then looking back and seeing he scored forty-one, like quietly scored forty-one too. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't even realize that he had that many goals, and uh, he's probably going to get forty again this year. And uh, everybody talks about his speed, his passing ability, but that guy can just play and score goals, and necessarily doesn't get the the credit for it. He's even kind of getting overlooked this year just because of how good Mika Rantanen is. Oh. And, uh, and how good Nathan McKinnon and, and those insane who are playing Insane how good Miko Rontanen is. That guy's insane. That's insane how yeah, good he is. It, it's insane. And the, the sad thing is, is he's getting uh, that criticism. Be like, oh, you're playing with Nathan McKinnon. So obviously well, you're... Playing with a Canadian. No wonder you're good. <laughs> so obviously you're going to do well. But he has 56 <laughs> points. He has more points than McKinnon. Uh, I think he's leading the league in assists. He has he more points 41. than McDavid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, man, hey, come out of nowhere, too. He had a great year last year. Again, an underrated season. It's 84 points last year, Ooh. which kind of went under the radar. Because Talk about someone who's going to get paid. Place. Holy shit. Talk about a really good 10th overall pick, <laughs> Nick, Nick Ritchie. Uh, so, yeah, but, uh, I mean, yeah, he's going to get paid. He's an RFA this year. What, what a contract oh. season to have. You are – on pace for I think it was 133 points last time I checked in a contract year. That uh, that's, and and it's funny all guys on pace for a contract year this year are playing amazing. Miko Ranton out like obviously just killing it. Patrick Line had a five goal game. Uh, he's just letting up. Probably going to hit 40 again. Mitch Marner is sitting I think top five or close to it in scoring. And Austin Matthews comes back and pretty much scores a goal every game. He's he's uh, I believe he's almost at or just under a goal per game right now. So uh, all of these guys, need twenty-seven points in nineteen games. He's got sixteen goals. Yep. Yeah, I like how you know that off the top of your head. I do, I do, I do. Yep. Got to, got to keep track on on your American guys. That's I do. Uh, they're gonna get. To, I mean, you look at what Jack Eichel got paid in Buffalo um, for not really doing a ton, being injured a bit. Now you look at. I mean, these guys are just killing it in their contract years and being huge parts of their team's success. Probably gonna make the playoffs. 
funny that uh, I mean the Leafs are going to make the playoffs. Obviously, Colorado could, especially if these two guys keep playing like this. Winnipeg should. They're all going to make probably deep playoff runs. To add on to how much they're going to make, I mean, all of these guys make over ten million. They have to, right? We need an NHL show because we totally just jumped off the Ducks wagon onto the NHL wagon there and talked about Come on, we lost for like eight minutes. The New York Rangers <laughs> and had fifteen shots on goal. Like, of course, we jumped off to the NHL. <laughs> we have any more questions on uh, on Twitter? Uh, we have we have one more mm-hmm. um, from Adam. He said, "What changes will the Ducks make when key players return from injuries?" Um, so I, I, I'm going to leave off Corey Perry at this point because it's so far in the future. So Raquel and, and Fowler, when they come back, presumably sometime after Christmas, early January. There's no timetable for Ricard Raquel. We don't know what the hell's wrong with him. Just assuming. Let's assume he comes back when Cam Fowler does first week of January or so. Oh, boy. Oh, what do you do with that lineup? I mean... Josh Mahara goes down, and then one of the forwards gets moved off. I mean, Aberg's going to get bumped off top line. Raquel's going to play with Getzloff. It's going to be Getzloff, Raquel, and Kasha. But I do Gibbons gets probably scratched at that point, yeah. and then that's it. Yeah, but I don't put it past Randy Carlisle to move Kasha down the lineup because I think that he understands that, I mean, obviously he does. Kasha's versatile, can score goals from almost anywhere. He's productive just about anywhere. As long as he plays with guys who can get him the puck, right? Um, yeah, and he's able to, or he's playing on the line with fast guys. I, you've seen him be very capable with that, um, but Aberg's not. So I, I, I would see him more than likely moving Kasha off the top line than Pontus Aberg, which is strange. But I uh, hate because Raquel I, gets I and Kasha just foresee so that being together. that. Yeah, uh, I, I don't want to see it, but I, I, it makes sense in a way because, like you said, Kasha does well everywhere, and Aberg necessarily doesn't. But man, like any time except for maybe like one game, Raquel, Getzlaff, and Kasha were together. They were unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't see how you put. I mean, Raquel, Getzlaff, and Auberg—that's a tough one to go to because Auberg relies. They both rely heavily upon Ryan Getzlaff, and then you know the the fact that the thing I like so much about Andre Kasha with Ryan Getzlaff is is Kasha will do his own thing and he can drive his own play and takes a little bit of pressure off of Ryan Getzlaff so that. Ryan Getzlaff can get the puck to Pontus Aberg. And that's why it works so well, I think, with, with Ricard Raquel in place of Aberg is Cash is doing his own thing, and he can also get the puck to, to Ricard Raquel. And then Raquel can just kind of relax a bit. He can mm-hmm. just kind of be the coasting on that line, for lack of a better word, and, and you know, knowing that Getzlaff will find him the puck if he's open. But everybody's kind of watching Andre Cash just buzz around the ice and be like, who's this guy, and trying to keep up with him. And then Ricard Raquel can just kind of find his way into open space and make a play. And that's why I think they work so well together. And that's probably why Pontus Aberg works with him because Pontus Aberg kind of plays a similar style in that sense where just kind of drifts off on his own and waits for the puck to find him in an open spot. No, I agree. But that's why, like I, like you and I just said, I, we could see it moving to being Kasha gets bumped off that line, which I don't want to see either. If we have nothing else, uh, we have a couple of announcements to make. And I have a question for all of our listeners. I know we have a few hundred here and there that listen to us, which is awesome. And maybe somebody has an answer that I don't have. So I'll get that out of the way first. I'm looking for a Hillary Knight jersey for my daughter. My daughter loves Hillary Knight. Was super stoked on her winning uh, the Olympic gold against the Canadians, which I just want to rub in one last time here. But uh, USA Hockey's out of jerseys. Um, the local hockey stores here will not put a nameplate on the back. You have to send it off and get it done by somebody else. So if anyone knows where we can get a Hillary Knight Team USA jersey, 
Um, shoot, even from her playing on the on the Canadians up in uh, in the CWHL right now, I would take if someone has a Boston Pride Hillary Knight jersey, knows where I can get one. Someone let me know because I would definitely be interested. Dude, there's no customization allowed, and she's not available on the roster. So, because oh. she plays, where does the, she play now? She plays in the CWHL now. She left the NWHL. She plays for the Les Canadiens. Yeah, so, can you not get? Will they not print one on that jersey? They don't have any name options when you look online. And I'm sure if I wow. call, I might all be French, and I don't know if I'll be able to get in. To you know, <laughs> you Canadians don't like <laughs> your Americans. <laughs> No, I'm teasing. I should, I should call. I'll see if there's an English option and see if I can talk to somebody. Yeah, I'm surprised that uh, you haven't been able to find one. Dude, I, oh. women's jerseys, women hockey jerseys are tough to find, man. So just to kind of like DM her on uh, Instagram. Be like, hey, like, hey I need to, help. Uh, I will, I will Venmo you the money, I swear. <laughs> be like, uh, I was trying to get the, the jersey for my daughter, uh, and uh, maybe she'll send you one. That'd be Who cool. Knows? Figure it out. We'll see. If anyone knows, though. Go ahead and DM us on Trevor, DM us on Trevor Mighty or DM uh, Hillary me on blast and let her know Patrick needs a jersey and that uh, nobody sells them. And nobody's able to sell me one. I would love to buy one. Um, other than that, uh, Patreon special podcast coming, I think, Thursday night. Of course, we have a game that night, too. So it's going to be a doubleheader podcast, which is beautiful. Uh, for our Patreon peeps, uh, we're doing a Seattle draft breakdown on the Ducks. Uh, kind of give our take on who we think is going to be picked up. This is way in the future, obviously, but it's fun to look at, and it's been heavily talked about around the league and kind of gives us a chance to talk about the NHL being a Ducks podcast. So that'll be our Patreon show coming up. Um, and the pucks are being shipped out tomorrow. Woohoo, everybody. You're going to get your bottle opener soon. I don't know how fast it's going to get to Canada or to Australia, but they're all going out in the middle tomorrow. Don't know. I yeah, mean, we Canada got like six right days. Because I think there's like a postal strike. So sorry, Brett. Uh I don't know if there's a postal strike out west, but you might have to wait a little bit to to, to get it if there is. Yeah, he and uh, Josh Nash out in Australia. We'll see if they're able to get him. I'm shipping him out tomorrow, though. So I apologize for the one day late. I had to go get the packaging for him. Then I have to you know, get all the edges together. I'm, they're being shipped out tomorrow. They'll be on their way. Um, other than that, shout out to CoolHockey.com. Go to them, buy a jersey, use our promo code FM20 and get 20% off your jersey purchase. If you haven't done so already, buy yourself an after-Christmas gift, maybe a Boxing Day gift. For some reason, it's a holiday in Canada, which nobody knows why they even have that day. Um, it sounds like you're boxing shit up and taking it back to the store, which is probably the reason. I think you it's because uh, Black Friday's not as big up here, so we need another reason to siphon money off people. <laughs> yeah, why not, right? Just rob the people of all the money yeah. they have. All their loonies and toonies. Um but that's it for us tonight. Shout out to Eddie for putting together the uh, Forever Mighty Three Star. I know that uh, it's being busy during the holiday season, and you guys have been, you know, I mean, there's been like tons of people participating in this, which is awesome. To win the free jersey, we've got like six or seven games left in the month. Just yeah, I stopped updating. I'm like five games behind. So. Are you really so five games you're... back? I gave you a yeah, shout out, and you suck. <laughs> We're looking for an update. I promised one today, and it didn't happen. So. Uh... I will I will make a, a concerted effort to get it out for the before the next game on yeah. uh, Thursday. You guys can thank me for putting Eddie on blast for that one. Make him uh, promise it over the podcast again. It's so easy to hide behind Twitter, um, but now he's going to be on YouTube and on Spreaker yeah. saying he swears he'll have now it I have tomorrow. To. We have how many games left? One, two, five games left in December. So if you haven't already started, maybe you get lucky and uh, you pick a bunch of, of our questions and get them all right, and you win a jersey. So anyway. Check out coolhockey.com. Use our promo code FM20. We love you guys, and we'll talk to you on Thursday night. Have a good one.